We really need new phones. T Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge apply. Ctmobile.com. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. This is the best of the Joe Show. Running back some of the best audio you've heard here on 560 The Joe over the past 24 hours. I am Dan Day, and it is a Miami Monday. You can hashtag Miami Monday at Dan Day Radio on Twitter. Let me know what makes you so Miami. And if I like it, I may just read it out and shout you out on the air. And you know what we do since it is a Monday kind of tailor the show a little extra Miami to get you through what is usually the worst day of the week. It's going to have some good local Miami music throughout the show. And then I'm going to check in with the Joe Rose Show. They are talking to Miami's defensive coordinator, Blake Baker. We're about 10 days away from kickoff. Yeah, let's get them. Dan Levitard Show, they will remember the late, great John Thompson. Then Hawk and Crowder giving you some heat culture right now. Giving you some headlines. The Heat open their playoff series with the Bucks today at 6.30. Milwaukee is a heavy favorite. After being swept by Tampa Bay over the weekend, the Marlins got back on track today against the Mets, winning 5-3. Over the weekend, the Dolphins signed receiver Andy Jones, traded linebacker Raquan McMillan to Oakland, and cut linebacker James Crawford. Despite several scoring opportunities, Inter-Miami fell to Nashville SC 1-0 yesterday, Interplay Wednesday at Atlanta United. Legendary Georgetown basketball coach John Thompson has passed away. Thompson led the Hoyas to the 1984 National Championship. The Jaguars cut Leonard Fournette today. The team tried to trade the running back, but could get no value for him. Rangers assistant GM Chris Drury has withdrawn his name from the Panthers GM search. Florida parted ways with former GM Dave Tallon three weeks ago. And now... Let's go ahead and take a step into the day spa. <sighs> a goat in Alabama was recently videoed stealing someone's mail, then eating it. In Alabama, they call something like this a Monday. Connecticut police are warning residents of an aggressive escaped beefalo. Ooh, better be careful. Beefalo sounds delicious. A British study shows that those who eat French toast for breakfast are most likely party animals, and individuals who eat peanut butter for breakfast are the most passionate lovers. Okay, I'll take some peanut butter French toast, please. A naturist couple is offering $2,000 for someone to help them move. The catch is, you have to be naked while you move them. Hello, dream job. Now on the weather, tonight's forecast, cloudy with temperatures in the low 80s. As I mentioned, about 10 days away, Miami versus UAB, Hard Rock Stadium. Maybe about 13,000 fans in the stands. 
Let's get ready. The Joe Rose Show this morning talking to the youth defensive coordinator Blake Baker about high schoolers now opting out of the season, what the U's D will look like, vocal leaders on the team, and what are some of the goals that the team has going into the season. I was just talking about watching high school football yesterday on, on TV, and I don't know if you, you watch any of the games. Or I, I'm sure you watch enough football uh, of your own team. But I was just curious, did, do you realize that high school kids, some of the top players are opting out of their last year? Have you heard that? Yeah, I've seen I've seen some of that uh, going on. Uh, most definitely have. I, I know. Again, I, I just was surprised if your if your team's playing in your senior year. Now we're getting it uh, in high school. It just uh, kind of surprised me a little bit. Well, let's talk about let's talk about your defense. I wanted to start with this one this morning, Coach. With, with Russo gone and as good a pass rusher as as he is, how close potentially is a Phillips and Roche combination as far as what they can add to what he had? I think they're very, very, um, very close whenever you talk about just overall football players. I think Jalen Phillips uh, is going to surprise a lot of people. He hadn't been able to play really for the last couple years, but he has had a phenomenal camp, really one of the best camps probably out of anyone on on the defensive side of the ball. So I think he's going to kind of shock the world, you know, whenever he gets to play here in a couple weeks. And then Quincy's been very, very steady. He's really what we expected. He's had a great camp. Both of them are elite pass rushers. Potentially could be sturdier at that position. I think Jalen at 270 pounds, he's a low. He's, he's pretty stout there. Coach, real quickly, just to follow up on that, it looks to be one of the deepest positions on the team. Harvey's another guy I know you guys talk about as a third guy. And then you got Chance and Cameron, not related, but both Williams. How good potentially are those players to maybe help you as well this year? I think both of those guys have great potential. Um, you know, Cam Williams is a different guy from last year, both physically and mentally. Um, really has a lot of personality. Where last year he didn't, he didn't really speak too much. But um, he's had a great camp. He's powerful. He's he's almost six foot six. He has long levers. Um, but he's really come on this camp. And then Chance shows a lot of promise. He's very um, fundamentally sound. You could tell he's very well coached in high school. I'm excited about the future of both of those two two guys. Coach, what about this? I want to go to the safety position for a second. Maybe not the first position we always talk about with you. It's always defensive line, how that front seven looks. But how deep are you there with Hull, Bolden, Carter? Like, you got a bunch of uh, – Hull, uh, uh, Bolden, Carter. Uh, you got a bunch of guys there at that position that looks like a pretty deep position for you, too, on that defense. How are you ha- – are you happy with those guys so far? Oh, I'm very, very happy. I think Gervin Hall has had an unbelievable camp. He is playing his tail off and, and coming to work every single day with a blue-collar mentality. And then Bubba and Amari are doing a great job as well. I think all three of those guys are going to play a ton for us. All three of those guys have veteran leadership. They've both played – or, excuse me, all three have played a bunch of football throughout the years. So – Excited about those three, and then you know have a great uh, mix of youth in there as well with the three freshmen with Jalen uh, Harrell and Brian Balaam and Keyshawn Washington. So Coach Banda's doing a really really nice job bringing those guys along. But I think our safety position from those three first guys you mentioned are doing a phenomenal job. Could start anywhere in the country, in my opinion. For years now, everybody said the U- U- University of Miami their defense starts with with great defense to tackle play. Silvera comes back healthy. Four. Do you feel pretty? good you got to stop the run some teams you know going to try to the the Pittsburghs of the world want to try to get real physical how do you feel about the front especially against the run 
Yeah, I think we're going to be tested, you know, especially early with UAB. They do a really good job running the football. And then, you know, week two with Louisville, um, two different schemes, but both are really, really good at, at running the ball. I think overall with that position, we have a lot of depth. I think you're going to see a lot of guys play there with, with Jade, like you mentioned, with Jonathan Ford and Jordan Miller. And it's kind of like the safety room where then you have three young guys that have really um, come on here of, of late when you talk about Jalar Hawley and Jared Harrison Hunt and Jason Blissett. So a lot, a lot of competition in that room. And, and those guys, they've really created a bond with each other. And it's been pretty unique, pretty cool to watch, you know, just over the course of, of 12 months of how those guys have gelled and really every single one of those guys brings a little something different to the table so i think you'll see a good um rotation there in the inside for us so Sorry, I, ahead, I was Zach. just gonna say there's no better person to ask about this off the offense of your team than you because you're seeing them and playing against them every day the air raid offense that no one's kind of seen down here at least since maybe the dennis erickson days when they used to go three or four wides uh what does that offense look like to you and, and, the, and the the way your defense is kind of playing them in these two scrimmages so far how much of adjustment has it been from these guys guys going from last year's offense to the air raid? I think the biggest thing defensively is just the conditioning aspect of it. You know, coming from a from a huddle system to a no huddle system, you gotta you gotta be you gotta be in shape to play against this offense. And then, you know, the other cool thing about it is you really don't have time to dwell on the last play. If maybe you missed a tackle or blew an assignment on defense, you'd have 30, 40 seconds in between plays and maybe get down on yourself. We we keep harping to our guys to play the next play because it's coming. I probably I promise you this offense isn't waiting on you to dwell on the last play. So it's been fun from that aspect. But as far as being able to see it, they go so fast, I have no idea what they look like. So we'll have to find out here in a couple of weeks. <laughs> Coach, are you, are you set a linebacker? I know you get one of your veteran guys that, that came back, but you lose a, a couple of guys who were a big part of things last year. You got Brooks and Huff and, and some other guys. You got some young players coming in too. You see that as a rotation, or are you pretty set with just playing a couple of guys right now? No, I think there's going to have to be a rotation in there. And, you know, we keep preaching about it, especially this year with everything going on. Depth's going to be key. And I, I think we do have quality depth in that room. I really couldn't be more pleased with um, B.J. Jennings and, and Wayman Steed, the way they've battled back through injuries. Both of them had really, really good camps. Um, obviously, Zach McLeod, you could tell just how, how much in, in, in one year span, how much more comfortable he is uh, inside the box and making the calls. So really, really pleased with his progress and then you you know you bring up Sam Brooks and Avery Huff. Sam Brooks has done a phenomenal job for us. He's kind of rotating between Mike and Will for us and doing a really, really good job for us. And, and Avery um, Huff has done some good things. So, you know, and Ryan Ragoni is another name out there. So we have a lot of depth in that room. I'm, I'm really excited to watch this this linebacker room continue to grow. They've gotten a lot better over the course of the past month. Still have a lot of room to get better, but I'm excited about the future. Is Zach a, like a rah-rah guy in a locker room? I know he's kind of one of those guys that have been on this team for a little while, came in obviously with two other big-time linebackers when the crew came in a couple years back. Is he one of the vocal leaders in that defensive lock of the defensive side of the ball at least yeah absolutely i think i think he's the only fifth year senior we have on right. defense that you know that's been wow. here all, all five years so uh we kind of call him the the old wily vet and he does a great job of leading both on the field and off the field he's a guy that handles his business in every aspect of his life so when he talks people listen and he's also a guy that i think really cherishes 
taking guys under his wing, you know. Um, the two freshman linebackers, Corey Flagg and Tariq Austin Cave, who I didn't even mention, have both done a phenomenal job. But that's kind of been that's kind of been his project, and and those two guys really learning the playbook, making sure they're taking care of their body off the field, and you can see them how much those those two guys, you know, they got here in the spring, but were both banged up. But how much of those guys have matured under the guidance of a, of a Zach McLeod? So he brings everything to the table you want, both tangibly and intangibly, and I'm excited about this season for him. I think he's going to have a humongous season for us. When you guys are all sitting in that room, I know a lot of times the defensive staff and offensive staff will have key stats that you preach every day. Guys, we want to be with the goal the goal chart. Talk about some of the stats that are most important to you before this thing starts. You know, I think our defense forever and ever philosophically is prided on tackles for loss and, and uh, takeaways. I think if, if we can get the offense behind the chains, that increases our chances to, to turn the ball over and, and get the ball back to our offense as quick as possible. And at the bottom line, that's the name of the game. You know, red zone and third down defense are going to be the other two things we really, really pride ourselves on. But from those situational, those four aspects of our defense, if we can do good in those four stats, I think we'll be really, really good at, um, you know, in the wins and from a statistical standpoint defensively at the end of the season. Coach, how much are you harping on your defense right now about making sure you get turnovers? I know it's an important part of obviously your defense and any defense around the country, but last year when you had zero in a game, turnovers went 0-3. It's very big to bring that out from your defense and be more physical, but be more also you know, with the takeaways and the turnovers. How big is that in your coaching in this offseason so far going into the season? It's huge. We continue to, to preach it and continue to uh, practice it um, both through drill work and then obviously hopefully try to get some versus our offense as well but it's something we preach every day like I said when we when we talk about the staples of the defense it's going to be tackles for loss and takeaways and then third down defense and, and red zone defense so it's something that we'll continue to, to press upon you know turnovers are, are funny sometimes when you harp on them so much they don't happen and sometimes when you don't talk about them at all they, they come in bunches so you know I think it's being relentless to the football obviously getting offenses behind the chain sometimes it's it's predicated just on the situation of a game you know if you get up by a bunch on a team they're more apt to turn the ball over trying to make a heroic play so all those things factor in I think turnovers is such a, a tricky stat but it's something that we we preach every single day in, in our office been pretty darn good for a long time around here Blake boy you're right about that man it's been uh it's been a big part of what the Canes do hey coach uh last question we'll let you run and we appreciate you being with us day to day practicing and and getting guys to come out does it seem like a pretty motivated group especially after what happened last year and sometimes playing to your competition at the, at that level you feel better about this group I do I do I think um I think our guys have a chip on their shoulder. Um, I think we've done, you know, probably a better job as a, as a coaching staff, you know, letting our guys know that if we don't bring our A game, you know, and that's college football nowadays. If you don't play play to the to the level that you're capable of playing, any team in the, in the country can beat you. So I think our guys have a better understanding of that. But I, I think we have a chip on our shoulder. I think nobody enjoyed or, or was satisfied or happy or, or any of those adjectives that you want to say about the way the season went last year. So I definitely think this group is hungry and humble, and, and I'm excited to, to put the ball on the tee here in a couple weeks. Blake, thank you, man. I know you got a lot going on. Thanks for spending time with us this morning, Coach. Thank you. Appreciate y'all having me. Have a good one. Sounds like the D at the U is ready. Come on, Blake Baker and the guys. Let's get that turnover chain going. 
to get the Dan Lebetard show going, too. Georgetown is not a school that should be good at basketball. And they made an Elite Eight before Ewing got there in 81. We will remember John Thompson next, here on the Best of the Joe Show. Welcome back to the best of the Joe show running back. Some of the best audio you've heard here on 560 the Joe over the past 24 hours. I am Dan Dane. It's Miami Monday. Best part of Mondays. Get to play some good local Miami music from straight out of the 305. This is Kaylin Arnold. Kaylin Arnold. She's Belizean. She's Haitian. She's a singer, songwriter, producer, instrumentalist. She does it all. So Kaylin Arnold, the crown. Kaylin Arnold wearing the crown on that one. That is some good stuff right there from right out of Miami on a Monday, making your Monday just a little bit better. Kaylin Arnold, we'll have some more music from her as the evening goes on because it's not a Monday, it's a Miami Monday. Got to tailor the show just a little extra Miami so that you feel better on this day. Dan Levitard, he is all Miami and he is on from a 10 to noon weekdays. Earlier today, they were joined by Bomani Jones, and he helped them remember the late, great John Thompson. John Thompson passes away at the age of 78. I remember him being very intimidating. I remember him being a giant of a man. I remember him not being afraid to stick his face in the media buzzsaw at a time that people weren't doing that. I remember that time. First off, a very respected man. Uh, But that time was such a great time in terms of coaches in the Big East with John Thompson and Luke Corniseca with the sweater and Raleigh Massimino. I mean, you just had some of the, the legendary names and coaches coaching all in the same conference at the same time. Well, Bomani Jones has turned 40 now, and he's become an ESPN historian who can help us go through the layers of someone's legacy. Thank you for being on with us, uh, Bomani. What, for you, is the legacy of John Thompson? So I think the part that gets forgotten in this, because we kind of pick it up with him when Patrick Ewing shows up in 1981. He had that job at Georgetown in 1972, and he takes you back to a time where high school coaches were parlaying this into college jobs, right? So I think he coached at St. Anthony's in D.C. and then, you know, make the Jesuit run and then goes to Georgetown. Slow start in order to get it going, but they ultimately got it going in a way that I think it's easy to lose sight of the fact that Georgetown is not a school that should be good at basketball. And they made an Elite Eight before Ewing got there in 81. So Ewing's there. They go to three Final Fours in four years. They didn't go to the Final Four again, but I want to say there's a couple more Elite Eight runs in the 80s and then one with Iverson in 1996. Like, this is a pretty staggering level of success at a place that had never come anywhere near having that success and honestly hasn't had it afterwards. Now, in terms of legacy, it all really ties to race. And the idea that John Thompson made us think that Georgetown was a historically black college, like, that's how dominant his personality was over the program that we had there. And the fact that, for whatever reason, he just recruited black dudes. And I think that people of a certain age can't quite grasp the magnitude of how 
black those teams were because all the teams are wall-to-wall black. You go back and look at the North Carolina teams of that time, Duke, hell, Duke, well into the 90s and the 2000s. You go all over the place. Like, it was a much wider presence in college basketball at the time. The thing that always hung over Thompson for people is, how come you don't recruit no white dudes? How come you don't ever want no white dudes on the team? And regardless of whether or not that's a legitimate question, let's just deal with the idea that John Thompson had a team at Georgetown University that was so black that people thought that that place was a black college, right? How he got the power to be able to pull that off, that's the part that I find to be as amazing as anything else. Well, help me uh, understand, in terms of blackest programs ever, in terms of attitude, University of Miami, Georgetown, University of Miami football, like what are the programs that are thought of that way? Because the manicured Coral Gables campus isn't exactly uh, the place that you associate with black people, but those University of Miami football teams were the same kind of team. Yeah, I think that those same teams and also UNLV uh, with Tarkania, but obviously the difference between Miami and Georgetown was the blackness of Miami, the picture of it was the players. Like, that was a program that, especially after 1988, that the players were in charge of. The coach was absolutely in charge of the program at Georgetown, right? Like, what happened at Miami is Jimmy Johnson gets a hold of that after Schnellenberger, and he loved what those dudes were doing. He just thought it was amazing and entertaining. And then Dennis Erickson comes in and the players tell him, okay, this is what it's going to be. Ain't nobody ever tell John Thompson, no, this is what it's going to be. So, like, I'd look at those teams that we mentioned there. Fab Five Michigan comes up there. Um, there's another one. Oh, uh, Nolan Richardson's Arkansas squad. Like, those are the ones that I think they largely think of. But again, with Thompson, it was different because Thompson commanded a certain level of respect and you could not really dismiss the blackness on the things that the players did on or off the court. Now, you could say that with Georgetown, the players are so intimidating. Everybody was always afraid they were going to be ready to fight at a given point in time. But for somebody my age, I can't tell if those dudes were really trying to fight or if that was just white people doing stuff that white people tend to do. Was John Thompson polarizing for reasons that had to do um, a lot beyond just being black? Because he carried himself in, I don't give any bleeps kind of way as well. Yeah, but I don't. So this is the thing to me about the idea of Thompson as the intimidator, right? I met John Thompson one time in my life. It was in 2008, and he was covering the NCAA tournament for Westwood One. The word was that he had worked it out with Westwood One that he would get to cover whatever the Georgetown games were, right? Because that's what his son was coaching or whatever. I saw him walking out of the press room. I want to say it was after Georgetown had lost to Davidson, uh, to Steph Curry and them. And I'm walking out. And so my brother had seen one night on TNT when John Thompson was calling games for Danny Ainge. And then out of nowhere, I forget what happened, somebody got dunked on it. Danny Ainge says on TV, and I quote, Glory be the folks on me. John Thompson could not stop laughing because Danny Ainge is quoting the P-Funk operation on the radio. So I see John Thompson. And I'm trying to find a way, and I'm trying to find a way to like break it up to him. So I'm walking out, and he's behind me, and I hold the door, and I say something. I forget what it was, but I joked something about being a gentleman to hold the door or something like that. And I was like, Nah, but I got a question for you. He looks at me, and he goes, Oh, okay. So you wasn't trying to be no gentleman. You was just trying to bull bleep me, which, of course, I was, right? Like, there's no way around that. But I also picked up pretty quickly. I was like, oh, this is a test. All I got to do is hold strong and everything will be okay. And I held strong and he kind of laughed it off and he said he didn't remember it and then we kept it going, which is to say, John Thompson will push you around if you let him, right? 
if you were so shook walking in that once he said something like that, you couldn't handle it that John Thompson would do that. If you didn't let him, everything changed. Well, I I marveled, uh, Bo, at the way that Allen Iverson and Alonzo Mourning and Dikembe Mutombo uh, talked about him. Those are three different worlds that those guys came from, and they spoke of him in the highest possible terms uh, with the father figure stuff, with the teach me how to be a man stuff. The dude called in the biggest dope dealer in D.C. at the time and told him to leave Alonzo Mourning alone. Called him into the office, um, and I've seen people make the make the argument that uh, you know that they thought that uh, Ray Vladman would do something to John after that happened. I was like, man, you ain't getting away with doing nothing to John Thompson in DC in 1988. <laughs> that's, not, like, that's not an option. That's like that's never going to happen. He commanded that level of respect. And see, another level of this, to me at least, is what he had going is very particular to DC in the 1980s, right? Like this is the height of Chocolate City. At the time. So that dude had juice that went just beyond Georgetown. But what he means to black people in Washington, D.C. is an entirely different level. Again, a black man is the most visible face at Georgetown University to stop and think about that. Most visible face probably in the Big East, but they also had like they had like that team and that coach. They had like the perfect rival in St. John's at the time with Luke Arnaseca and Chris Mullen and Bill Wennington. It was a, it was a, it was an amazing time. <laughs> you know, I had not thought about the Bill Wennington angle. Like, I, did, I did not. I, I mean, like dead up. I, I, you're right. Yep. That, and again, but again, that points to what we're talking about. It's not like, and I don't. I got no shade toward Luke Arnaseca. I want to be clear. Luke Arnaseca in New York City could have had twelve black dudes on his basketball team if you wanted to, right? There's a whole lot of places where you look at dudes who they seem to have as many white dudes as they were required to have by whatever social forces were around their program. So, like, you look at a basketball team at UNC, for example, in 1981, it looked a lot different than that they had in 1997, right? Uh, and that was with a coach who walked into the door with the plan that I'm going to integrate this program. Thompson skipped all of that stuff and was just like, nope, we're getting all these black dudes. And by the way, we're going to get them all into Georgetown, regardless of what the backgrounds of each individual happen to be. I'm going to set up a program that makes sure that these dudes graduate because there's no way they're going to be able to say that we don't graduate our players. And I doubt that anybody had a better pipeline and plan to allow Georgetown University to provide education to black people in a way that John Thompson did via basketball. Bo, good talking to you. Again, check out The Right Time with Bomani Jones. We appreciate the time, sir. All right, I'll be good. Much love and respect to John Thompson. Legend in the game. Remember watching his teams. They were always great, always fun, but he was always really like a father figure. In fact, Allen Iverson has gone on the record multiple times saying that John Thompson saved his life. He would not be alive today without John Thompson. Not a coach, not a father, just everything he needed to be. John Thompson will greatly be missed. Not going to miss Hawk and Crowder, though. I got them coming your way. Are we getting wrapped up in a four-game sweep over a really depleted Indiana team and buying into the culture thing and whatnot, and then all of a sudden you're going to watch tonight? Would it surprise you tonight if the Bucks came out and beat them by 18? Oh, we're going to find out more about that in about five minutes. And Heat and Bucks about to tip off in about five minutes. No worries. It's Monday, and I've got some more Miami music for you because it's a Miami Monday here on the Best of the Joe Show. Oh, 
This is the best of the Joe Show, running back some of the best audio you've heard here on 560 The Joe over the past 24 hours. It's a Miami Monday, so you know I got to play some music straight out the 305. This is Kalen Arnold with Alone. little Miami music from Kalen Arnold alone, making your Monday just a little bit better. What else is making this Monday a little bit better? Some heat action. So Hawk and Crowder, they take it to the airwaves weekdays from 2 to 6. Let's go heat! Let's go heat! Let's go heat! But should we believe in them? Also, they give us a weather report, which is very interesting. But first, a fire heat bucks montage from Solana. When I look at the Milwaukee Bucks, clearly the creme de la creme of the Eastern Conference this year. How do you beat them? I think the team that comes to my mind is the Miami Heat. You said there's a lot of people talking about, oh, who's going to play the Bucks? You've already got the Bucks in the Eastern Conference Finals, and I do not because of my underrated team, the Miami Heat. They have a bunch of goons, a, ho- a bunch of hard-nosed players who do not fear the deal. Milwaukee don't want this smoke at all. The group of guys we have have a chip on our shoulder. I think that's what makes us who we are and what makes us click. Let's just start from the top. We have Pat Riley. Eric Sposher, he has the recipe to beating them. In Butler, in Duncan Robinson, in Tyler Hero, Ben Adebayo. And you think you're about to go mess with those goons from Dade County in Miami and Jay Crowder and Jimmy Butler and Andre Iguodala and Bam Bam Adebayo, well coached by Eric Sposer? You crazy. Miami Heat, because of their culture and the way that they just approach every game and they have the leadership of Jimmy Butler, Mm -hmm. Uh, Eric Spoelstra, I think everybody just follow, follow, follows down. Uh, you know, Miami has a lot of weapons, and the thing that Miami does as well as anybody is shoot the three. They'll win in the paint, mm-hmm. most importantly, because mm-hmm. you look at Bam and you look at his versatility, rebounding, stripping the ball, all the things that he does. Superstar Jimmy Butler. Jimmy Butler's on another level when it comes to being competitive. Do you think the Heat could beat the Bucks in a seven-game series? Because yes. I think they're going to face each yes. other. Yes, yes, I do, and I'm going to tell you why. The Heat, they look right, have to look at the best team in the East right now. The team, in terms of the biggest threat, I go with the Miami Heat. I picked Miami in this series. I bet on Miami to make the finals and play the Clippers. This team can go far. If they can get past Milwaukee, they can get to the NBA Finals. Milwaukee don't want this smoke at all. There's no obstacles. Well, there are tons of them, but there are none. You talk about tough, you talk about hard nose, we talk about work ethic, we talk about mentally tough. There's no mentally tough team in this bubble. There's no mentally tough leader in this bubble. Miami Heat was built for anything. Let's go! Yes, sir! 
That fired me up, Solana. I didn't expect that at 2 o'clock on a Monday to feel as fired up as I do right now. Heat and mother bleeping fire! <laughs> they don't want that smoke! Woo! They don't that want smoke. that smoke! Teleport! Teleport! <laughs> Teleport! They don't want that smoke at all. I'm with I you. Perk, man. Who knew Perk was going to be uh, Kendrick Perkins would be a guy that uh, would be embraced by South Florida basketball fans. Let's I go. Think, they don't want that smoke. I think Perk respects the culture now. I think he, he respects the culture if you hear him talk. Totally does. Culture. Yes. They're big underdogs, the Heat. Have you seen the lines? No. Big yeah, underdogs? Yeah, so big underdogs. You know, and, and a lot of media, certainly Heat Nation, but I'm talking media, national media, they are picking the Heat to either win the series or give one heck of a battle to the Milwaukee Bucks. But right now, the line on the series, the Milwaukee Bucks to win the series are minus 450, which Ooh. means you have to bet $450 in order to win 100. And the Heat are plus 360. Yeah. So if you bet $100 on the Heat to win the series, you win $360. Put a little something on that one now. Bet $1,000 for the Heat to win the series. You bet uh, win $3,600 if they win the series. They are, I and, and I don't know, are, are we, because I've thought about this over the weekend. Are we getting wrapped up in a four-game sweep over a really depleted Indiana team and buying into the culture thing and whatnot, and then all of a sudden you're going to watch tonight. Would it surprise you tonight if the Bucks came out and beat them by 18? Yes, it would. It would. Solana, that, that what would about you? No, <laughs> not 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 really? totally. No, it wouldn't. By 18, bro. I mean, who? I, okay, let me ask it this way, Crowder. Who's built more for this series, the Bucks and Giannis, or the Heat and Jimmy Butler? The Heat and Jimmy. Uh, okay, I want to say that as well. That's my default, that the Heat are better built for this series. And then I start thinking about it, and I'm like, man, Giannis, though? Giannis, MVP, DBOY. Mm -hmm. You don't shut him down like he's Victor Oladipo, you know? And, Hawk, we're not going to shut him down. I think he's he's, thir he's uh, 30 and 13 through the playoffs. He's going to get 30 and 13. Mm -hmm. But the rest of the guys, Chris Middleton, we've been talking about him. I make fun of his teeth all the time, but just his – He's not playing as an all-star this year. If we do, we've done this before. If we do the best players in the series, Giannis is number one by far. Do the Heat have the next three, four? Um, like, who's more it's talented? A, it's a good question. So Chris Middleton is in the argument, but he's certainly not better than Jimmy Butler. Jimmy got him. And I would probably take Bam, right? Easy. Bam, and yeah. then what, what Dragic is doing right now throughout the – I know four games now, but what Dragic has been doing in the playoffs? I mean, who I, – I, I haven't watched enough Bucks basketball. I mean, does Kyle Korver just light it up from three, Solana? No, I'm not really. It's, uh, it's Eric Bledsoe. Like, that's the guy that they want to be their next big piece. George Hill gets a lot of run late in games. The Lopez brothers, while they're not going to, you know, be all-stars, they play a big part in this team, especially Brooke Lopez. Like, that's where this team strides. They hit threes. DiVincenzo plays tough. Connaughton plays tough. The Wasn't Lopez he in the brothers. slam dunk competition, yeah. Pat Connaughton? Pat yeah, Connaughton yeah. was, yeah. yeah. Um, but we had Derek Jones Jr. Do not that forget. That we did. Yeah. Yes. That we did. To answer your question, though, Hawk, if the Heat were to lose Tonight, game one, by 18, I wouldn't be surprised. If they got blown out in this series, if they lose in four or five, I would be. But tonight, no, because 
The Bucks are coming off of uh, a game just two days ago. Heat haven't played in almost a week, right? It's, it's the the rust versus rest thing. Right, and the Heat rely on their three-point shooting. They really do. And when you haven't played in a week, those shots might not fall, and Milwaukee may run away with this one. But I don't I don't think that means the Bucks are going to beat the Heat in five if that happens. Yeah, Man, yeah. When you wet, when you wet, Duncan's wet. Tyler's he, wet. He, Let me teach you something. When you wet, you stay wet. You don't dry out in no damn week. Okay, I I, I want to believe that. Like, I, I'm, I'm with you, but, I mean, they beat Indiana. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. they beat Indiana, and when was the, the last time they had won a playoff series before then, Solana? 2016. You know, I'm just saying, like, we're all of a sudden, here's what's happened in four years. They've won a single playoff series, and now they're facing off against the Milwaukee Bucks, the one seed, the team with the MVP and the DPOY, and we're like, we're counting this as a victory somehow. I, I don't, I don't, and and again, I, I'm telling you, I'm having this conversation with myself because I'm going to put money on the Heat to win this series. I believe the Heat will win this series. I believe the Heat can smother them enough. And like you say, if they can light it up from the outside, Bam and Jimmy can do their thing where they're doing it. But if Duncan and Tyler Hero can do their thing from the outside, maybe you get a game or two from Kendrick Nunn. Yeah, I think they can beat them as well, but I'm trying to I'm trying to slow my own roll. You shouldn't have to. I'm just looking right now I'm looking at the box scores from the Magic Bucks series and the Bucks won 4 to 1. But you look at it, when their wins, it was 14, 15, 12. They lost by 12. Like, they they, they were dominating the Magic winning by 10 or 12. Right. They're not going to beat the Heat by 18, fellas. Like, come on now. I, I hope you're right. And Let's, all the uh, letters, too, Hawk. All the letters, the MVP, DPVOY, and all the letters Giannis had. And, bro, Giannis <laughs> is a beat. Let, let's make it clear early on Monday at 2.09 that we respect Giannis Antetokounmpo. Yep, yep. But there are – and we going to say five now, fellas. There are ten guys from the Heat that are going in to play Giannis. You can't – are you scared of Chris Middleton? And we just talked about, bam, I don't – he's not going to stop Giannis. But he is – his height, his athleticism, his physicality, he's capable of giving Giannis a hard time. I asked y'all before, do you think they try to amp Bam up because knowing what Bam has to do this series? On the other side, you think Giannis at night is sitting there thinking about the game like, damn, I got to deal with Bam out of bio for four games at least. I think on both sides they respect each other, and we have Bam. I think Giannis is thinking about, damn, I'm going to have to deal with LeBron or Kawhi for four games. Like, I really – that's that's – what I think. That's what I think. I, I, I just. Are you saying Giannis is overlooking them? You can't yep, overlook the yep. Heat. I. Th that's where. That's why I think there's this disconnect between what what we're feeling and what Vegas is telling you with the line. Let's do headlines real quick, uh, Solana. The Miami Marlins. They're actually playing right now, guys. They're uh, they playing are. against the Mets. A makeup Watching. game from August 27th. Since you have it on there, Hawk, and I am not prepared since it's not on my TV. Can you give us the score? Mets are leading 2-0 in the top of the fourth. Jake, uh, Jake DeGrom on the mound for the uh, for the Mets. I don't know who's pitching for the Marlins today. Good update right there. Good start to my update. The no. Marlins were swept by the Rays over you the killed weekend. It. This is, but we've said this about you. You killed it with the montage. We gave you all the plaudits on the air. We didn't know that was coming. Texters and tweeters loved it as well. And you checked out. It happens every 
time. Right? I mean, you sat there. We we spoke for nine or ten minutes before we got to the update. You were reveling in this miraculous, uh, wonderful montage you put together to get us hype. And you, I believe you thought, the way that I said Giannis right now is thinking about Kawhi or LeBron, I think you were just thinking almost like a cartoon with, you know, fancy frilly things just <laughs> swirling around your head. You the were just thinking, bubble. yeah, how great you did. And then all of a sudden it was like, oh, I do updates too. Yeah, I was thinking about tweeting, telling people to listen at three. I, and we're going to play that again at three, <laughs> maybe at four also. So I'll I hope sure we play people. it every hour. Solana, how many people knew you made a montage? Because you were texting your brother, your parents, your girlfriend. <laughs> No, nobody. I, I like to surprise oh, you guys. You know that. You I like that, to that was fantastic. I'm not lying to you. That was yeah. fantastic. Like, that was really well done. That's how I know he's lying. The Marlins were swept by the Rays over the weekend. Tomorrow, they begin a two-game set here in Miami against the Blue Jays. All right. Tonight in the NBA, other than the Heat and Bucks at 6.30 p.m., we're all aware of that. Rockets and Thunder, 9 p.m., Houston leads three games to do to two in that series. <laughs> three games to do. Let's go. Three to hot, do. It's hot, shot, hot shots part do. <laughs> three Sheen, to do. Bro. Three to do. The Clippers beat the Mavs 111-97. We <laughs> want that uh, code red. No, I want the three to do. Do. Three to do. They win the series four This is what two. we do, though. When he has a great moment, we go out of our way to bang his head back down to earth. Like, we, like he's got a personality flaw is that he, you know, the Hulk Hogan celebrating in the middle of the ring, not realizing that Iron Sheik is coming up behind him with a chair, which is us. But, like, he's, like, he's got the personality defect where he celebrates too long, but we also have the personality defect of not allowing the celebration. We go looking for the chair. Good teammates, baby. Get your ass back on defense. Yes, you made a great play. Get All your right. ass back. I'm Swaggy P. Do. Swaggy P yeah. celebrating the three before it actually falls down. You're D-Wade uh, arguing a call while the play is going on down the other. But ref, three to do! Three to do! Let's get to weather. Right now in Miami, partly cloudy, 91 degrees. Now, I don't normally do this, but I'll give you a weather update for Orlando because around 6.30 p.m., there's a 100% chance of heat! <laughs> Wow. All right. You you started out this segment, I mean, fantastically with the montage. A rough middle of the inning, but then you closed it out with your best stuff. Let's go. <laughs> he was preparing, else, that, he was he preparing was. that line. He That's really was. He, he was working on that. Marlins. He was working on it. All right. Now I understand. The heat culture is strong. So far, so good. Miami putting it to Milwaukee. 2 nothing. He thought I was going to say something else. They are up 2 nothing though. The game just started. Let's get that heat culture going. Here is what Mr. Heat Culture Jimmy Butler said about the Bucks. The group of guys we have, I think majority of us, if not all of us, have a chip on our shoulder. And uh, I think that's what makes us who we are and what makes us click, what makes us play so hard, play together so much. We, we get an understanding of that. We don't care if you pick us to win, if you pick us to lose, and however many games. We're going to go out there and compete, man. We know what we're capable of. And at the end of the day, that's all that matters because we're the ones that's here. We're the one that's stuck in a hotel room. We're the one that's out here practicing. We're the one that got to go out there and compete. So you can pick and pretend like you you know what's going to happen, but nobody does. We're, we're the ones that control that. Go Heat. I'm Dan Day, and this is the best of the Joe Show. Later, slug. 
T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary.